from Maple Valley to Snoqualmie Pass and everywhere in between, this is Taking the Fifth, the podcast of Washington State's 5th District Democrats. We are on Skype today talking with Jonathan Tong about Initiative 735, which is on the ballot in Washington State this November. So, Jonathan, just what is I-735? Hi, Josh. Thanks for asking. Uh, Initiative 735 is a uh, Washington State ballot initiative that would allow Washington State to become the 18th state to call for amending the U.S. Constitution to settle for once and for all that constitutional rights are for people, not for corporations, uh, and that money is not speech. It would kind of help get us back a democracy that actually works for all people, not just the wealthiest few. Okay, so this came about as a result of a Supreme Court ruling called Citizens United uh, several years ago. Uh, what is Citizens United? Citizens United was a Supreme Court ruling that happened about six years ago in 2010, where five out of the nine justices, meaning just by a one-vote majority, uh, ruled that corporations like Microsoft, McDonald's, and Monsanto are entitled to the same constitutional free speech rights as actual individual people like you and me and whoever else is listening to this, and that uh, spending money to influence elections is a form of free speech protected by the First Amendment. So when you put those two things together, it's pretty much why our elected representatives are no longer allowed to put any kind of reasonable limits on how much money corporations or wealthy billionaires, liberal or conservative, can spend on uh, buying our elections, basically. So, and that's also why our elected representatives now spend anywhere from 30 to 70% of their working week uh, actually making fundraising calls instead of doing the work that they were elected to do because our elections have gotten so expensive and we don't have any way of uh, putting some kind of reasonable limits on how much money is spent there. So have there been any real-world effects from this ruling uh, that we're seeing just you know, on a day-to-day basis? In the uh, in the electoral system right now. Yeah, I think most people who follow this understand and agree that big money in politics is pretty much the problem at the root of every other problem that that uh, people care about. Whether you're talking about climate change or whether you're talking about health care or minimum wage or uh, workers' rights or minorities' rights or uh, affordable housing in the Seattle area, the main reason that we just can't get anything done to fix that is because there's a few really, really wealthy special interests that don't want that to happen. So if you think back, for example, to the uh, GMO labeling initiative that we had a couple of years ago, that initiative uh, was getting overwhelming majority uh, from Washington State residents to require that foods containing genetically modified ingredients be labeled so that people could could know that and choose accordingly. Uh, but it was just in the last few weeks before that election when out-of-state uh, corporations spent about $22 million to just flood the airways with ads that just planted enough doubt uh, in people's minds that it ended up losing by a, a narrow majority or uh, a very small majority. So, so that's just one example. Right. So 
the whole Citizens United ruling led to the rise of something called a super PAC. Uh, what are those? Uh, PAC stands for Political Action Committee. So super PACs are organizations that came about after the Citizens United ruling, which basically meant that uh, people could give unlimited amounts of money to such organizations to flood the airwaves and flood our mailboxes with all those nasty political ads that we see around this time of year. Uh, so Citizens United meant we're no longer allowed to put any kind of limits on how much a corporation or wealthy individuals can spend on uh, sponsoring those ads. And oftentimes without any kind of disclosure, uh, oftentimes those organizations take huge donations from people who deliberately keep their identities hidden because they don't want us to know who's sponsoring all those ads out there. Uh, and again, I think most recent people uh, agree that that just totally undermines any sense of free and fair elections that we have in a supposed democracy like ours. So wealthy donors who don't want it known that they're backing a particular candidate or cause can use super PACs to hide their tracks. But why is it so important that we know who's behind a particular candidate or initiative? I would say it's just kind of a fundamental uh, principle of free and fair elections that if somebody is running an ad, um, either supporting a candidate or attacking a candidate or, or supporting an initiative or backing an initiative, usually uh, most viewers kind of want to know who's sponsoring that ad because it kind of gives us an idea whether or not they have a vested interest in it or not. Um, it just kind of makes common sense that if a uh, fossil fuels corporation is sponsoring ads that are uh, attacking any sort of um, initiative aimed at reducing our carbon emissions, then if we know that a fossil fuels company uh, is paying for it, then we're going to look at it differently than if it's coming from, say, uh, an environmental organization. We have a right to know. People have a right to know who's paying for the ads that we're seeing, who's trying to influence our vote one way or the other. Right. Well, before Citizens United, how would a group like that fund uh, the work for their causes? Uh, they might give directly to political campaigns, in which case there were limits on how much money could be given, or they might give to a regular political action committee, in which case there are also uh, regulations, limitations on how much money could be given. But post-Citizens United, that's what created the, the rise of these super PACs that are not held to, to any such limits. Um, and it is also important to note, this problem goes way back before Citizens United. Um, before 2010, uh, there was a whole series of Supreme Court rulings that kind of established the precedent that corporations were entitled to constitutional rights, whether they were Fourth Amendment rights or Fifth Amendment rights or Fourteenth Amendment rights. It goes way, way long back farther than Citizens United. And the idea that money is speech actually came before Citizens United also. I think it was in 1976, there was a Supreme Court ruling called Buckley versus Faleo, which basically set the precedent that spending money to influence elections is a uh, form of free speech protected by the First Amendment. So we say overturning Citizens United just because it's kind of a handy shorthand to use that most people nowadays, or at least a lot of people, understand what that is. 
but it's important to realize that just overturning Citizens United actually isn't enough. If we change the Supreme Court this year, because if we appoint a new uh, Supreme Court justice to replace Scalia, and if they overturn that ruling, that would be great. But there's still all sorts of other problems with corporations having the same constitutional rights as people and billionaires still being able to spend unlimited amounts of money to influence elections. That would still be there even if we overturned Citizens United. That's why the constitutional amendment uh, is so important and so critical. It's really what we need to do to settle for once and for all. That constitutional rights were meant for people, not for corporations. And that uh, spending millions of dollars to buy elections is not a form of free speech. Right. So when people vote for I-735, what does that kick off? What is the process to actually get a constitutional amendment in in the books? It allows Washington state to become the 18th state to go on record calling for such an amendment. And if California passes Initiative 59, which is also on the ballot this num- uh, November, then that would make California the 19th state. So in order to pass an amendment to the U.S. Constitution, such an amendment has to be passed with two-thirds approval in both the House of Representatives and the Senate in Washington, D.C., as well as by three-fourths of all the state legislatures in the, com- uh, in the country, which comes out to about 38 states. So that's why it's so important for initiatives like this to pass. It's building that grassroots momentum that we need to get the three-fourths of states or 38 states that we need to approve uh, such a measure. And ballot initiatives like this are are, uh, super important because I believe out of the other 17 states that have passed, uh, 15 of those resolutions were passed by state legislatures, which is great and which is uh, certainly uh, uh, an important thing. But having a ballot initiative that actually passes this way means that it's more than just a handful of legislatures in a state capital that are approving this. It's showing that a, a, a majority of people, uh, a majority of voters in the state are, are uh, supporting this. So regardless of who's in the legislature a few years from now, means that people have gone on record calling for this. And that's important. Right. So uh, the group that uh, is presenting I-735 is called uh, WAMEND, or Washington Amend. Um, And ballots are going out really soon in Washington State. So how can people help with WAMEND and the effort to pass I-735? Uh, there's a lot of things people could do to help uh, spreading the word on it would be great. Uh, we're doing phone banking right now to call up folks uh, who are likely to vote and make sure that they understand what the initiative is and make sure they vote on it. Uh, donations are super helpful since we just have a – this is really a people's initiative. Um, people might not realize this, but um, – the conventional wisdom when we started this process was that there's no way you can get initiative on the ballot unless you've got the backing of millionaires or billionaires or some really wealthy special interests. But this, I'm pretty sure, is the only initiative that got on the ballot this year that was done through our kind of volunteer efforts. We needed 246,000 signatures to qualify. We ended up with 300, almost 330,000 signatures, and 90% of those were just from all volunteers. So my point being is that this initiative is not funded by corporations. It's not funded by millionaires and billionaires. We've gotten this far just through uh, uh, unpaid volunteer efforts. So we do have printing costs. We do have mailing costs. We do have a couple paid staff there. So 
So a huge help would just be to, to donate, to support. Uh, people can just Google up I-735 or Google up WAMEN, go to the site there, uh, find a link to donate either by mail or, or online would be awesome. Helping out with the phone banking would be awesome. Uh, sharing uh, posts about it on social media is, is big help too. Anything we could do because the, the election is like one month away. So we're really in the home stretch here, and we want to get the, uh, out the word as, as far as possible, so everyone knows about and votes yes on it. Right, and I believe, especially through Democratic LDs like yours, yeah. we really appreciate the help. Well, I, I believe the site is Wamend W A M E N D dot org. If people would like to yeah. find out about upcoming events, donate, volunteer, or anything else about seven thirty-five. Indeed. Okay. Well. Once again, I thank you for your time today, uh, Jonathan Tong from WAMEND, uh, discussing I-735, which will be on this November's Washington State ballot. Awesome. Thank you, Josh. This has been Taking the Fifth, the podcast of Washington's 5th District Democrats. For more information on us, visit 5thDistrictDems.com, starting with the number five. Copyright 2016, 5th District Democrats.